My name is Joe Grano. Uh, I'm a Covenant member here, and I co-lead the Southeast CG. And I'm on the setup team as well. Oh, that's a lot quieter. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, I'm going to read Psalm 23 in German for you guys. Psalm 23. Der Herr ist mein Hirte. Darum leide ich keinen Mangel. Er bringt mich auf weide Plätze mit saftigem Gras und führt mich zu Wasserstellen, an denen ich ausruhen kann. Er stärkt und erfrischt meine Seele. Er führt mich auf rechten Wegen und verbirgt sich dafür mit seinem Namen. Selbst wenn ich durch ein finsteres Tal gehen muss, wo Todesschatten mich, mich umgeben, fürchte ich mich vor keinem Unglück. Denn du, Herr, bist bei mir. Dein Stock und dein Hirtenstab geben mir Trost. Du lädst mich ein und deckst mir den Tisch selbst vor den Augen meiner Feinde. Du salbst mein Haupt mit Öl, um mich zu ehren und füllst meinen Becher bis zum Überfließen. Nur Güte und Gnade werden mich umgeben, alle Tage meines Lebens. Und ich werde wohnen im Haus des Herrn für alle Zeit. This is the word of the Lord. Awesome. Well, thank you, Joe, for reading that in, in German for us. And um, man, it is, it is good to be with you guys. Happy Mother's Day once again. And uh, it's a privilege and an honor to be a part of a church that really values not just God's word, but how he's expressing himself in the nations. And so if you were with us last week, you heard Tori explain why we're actually reading Psalm 23 in 14 different languages over the next seven weeks. Okay, so for every gathering, we're reading that. And the reason why is, one, it's beautiful. God's word is beautiful in multiple languages. Amen. And hearing it in different languages expresses different ways that he is imaged in the earth in a really beautiful way. Number two is we want to celebrate the diversity that God has given us in our church family. And that is good and that is right. And we also want to encourage more diversity. We want to welcome that in our body and in our family. And the fourth thing really is that we want to remember God's heart for the nations. We want to really be mindful of what he's doing in the nations and how he is moving. And so we want to read God's word in other languages so that we can remember the mission of God, that he's a restorative and redemptive God. And today we're actually going to start out the sermon with something really cool, even though it's Mother's Day, it's a lot happening today, but we actually get to send a team to the nations. And so would you welcome with me the Browns and the Collins up here today? We're so glad that they're here. And so they are actually flying out to the Middle East this next week. And they're being sent from our church family to go and to proclaim the gospel to people that do not know the name of Jesus. And so we are really encouraged. We're really excited that they have said yes to go. They said yes to the call that God has on their lives. And we're pumped that we get to go with them through prayer. We're pumped that we get to be a part of what God is doing. And so they're going to the Middle East. And if you pray for them, part of you is going to the Middle East too part of your heart and part of your affections. And so we're excited that we get to go 
with them, pray with them, and join and partner with what God is doing there. They're going for a few reasons. One is to encourage missionaries on the field. They're also going to pray through really vision for their lives. Are they supposed to move over there? We're praying yes, okay? And so we're praying for that. They're also going really to share the gospel with people who have never heard the good news. And so as a family, we want to pray for them and send them and, and launch them out today. So if you would just reach out your hand towards them and we'll pray together over them and what God is calling them to do. They will be in the lobby between the gatherings to answer questions and you can see how you can pray for them more. But join me in praying for them now. Father, I thank you so much for Michaelin and Ben and Margo and Tyler. I thank you for their hearts for you. I thank you for their hearts to say yes to the call. I thank you for how they're sacrificing time and resources to be a part of what you're doing in the nations. Uh, But God, I thank you so much more for your heart for us, your heart for those that have not heard the good news, that you came to seek and save those that are lost. And so God, we partner with them as you go before them. Would you prepare their hearts? Would you give them everything they need to proclaim the good news? Uh, Would you prepare people's hearts there that they're gonna encounter, even the believers that they get to encourage, God? Would you work through them? Spirit of the living God, we ask you, give them everything they need to obey you. Strengthen them, bless them, and let these two couples be a part of really our family going to the Middle East to share your good news. Uh, We love you and we praise you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you give this team a hand? Love you, bro. Awesome. So y'all ready to dive right in? All right, let's do it. So I don't know about you, but last week when we started this Psalm 23 series, it really blessed me. Did it bless you guys? I mean, what, I don't know. It felt like there was smoke on the stage. God was doing something. Tori was like doing something crazy. It was good, right? And there was something stirring in our hearts because we needed comfort. If you think about it, we all walked out kind of excited and pumped up for what God's doing. And this is a psalm about how God comforts us and heals us. And so only the Holy Spirit could really be doing that. Uh, As we dive in today, I pray that you're encouraged. I also pray that God would heal your hearts. So I just want to even prepare you for that, that maybe you need to ask God while we're looking at the word, hey God, what do you need to heal my heart in today? So we want your eyes on the word. If you don't have a copy of the scriptures, we have Bibles for you, hard copies in the back. It'll be on the screen and we'll be jumping around to a few different places. But if you don't get anything I'm saying, I pray that you would get God's word today. Now, last week, Tori really dropped two things that helped me grasp Psalm 23 in a new way. I grew up in church my, my whole life, and I've never heard these things mentioned like this in Psalm 23. Number one is that a king's role, a king's job is not to heal. And I confess, so often I just view Jesus as king and Lord and master. And I forget that he came down and he's a shepherd for me and for you. And that just means a lot to me when I get to see him rightly and see him as a shepherd. And maybe you just need to shift your perspective a little bit. Maybe that's what God is doing through this whole series is that you would see him as a loving shepherd that walks with you. The other thing is, and this this really got to me, was Jesus has never lost. Why would he lose with you now? That rocked me because I'm like, man, I try to do so much for Jesus so that we can win as a team. And I forgot that, hey, he's already won the victory. Amen. And we live like there's still some questions, some doubt if he's going to win. But why would he lose with me now? 
Why would he lose with you? He already won. And that truth really encouraged my soul. And so today as we dive in, we're going to ask that we would trust the shepherd with our desires, yes, but really understand that he desires our peace and our healing. He is our peace and he is our healer. He is my shepherd and he's your shepherd. Tell your neighbor he's your shepherd. I mean, this is good news, right? He's my shepherd. He's your shepherd. He's our good shepherd. He's the great I am and the king of kings. He is Yahweh. He is that he is, right? I am that I am. He is fully present. He's always been. And yet, he was born as a baby. He came as a servant. And he dwelt among us. Us stinky sheep, right? I love how Tori talks about how the shepherd smells like his sheep. And I don't know about you, but that's kind of nasty. And so as I look at this and I understand God's love for me, he's willing to even smell like me. And for some of you, that might mean more than others, okay? But we're grateful that our shepherd is like us and walks with us. So as we dive into Psalm 23, 2 through 3a, we're going to look at how he provides healing for us and provides peace for us. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He makes, he leads, he restores. It is Jesus, the good shepherd, doing all of these things. He makes us and leads us for our peace, for our healing, for his glory. He restores us not according to our plans and our desires, but according to what he knows is best for us. That's key for us today. Psalm 23.2 is actually an example of what's called Hebrew parallelism. This somewhat repetitive poetic tool that David is using shows that he is leading those reading and really singing. Don't forget this psalm is a song to a point. There's an emphatic point that he's going to end on. That's what Hebrew parallelism is doing. It's repetition, repetition, boom, okay? And so here we get to see that as he's really promising peace, he's promising these things, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides still waters. There's a repetition there. I mean, we do this in our own music all the time, right? And there's a reason I'm not on the worship team, so I need your help with this today, okay? So think about it. He's a good, good. Okay, we're getting warmed up here, okay? We will, we will. My name is... My name is, some of you got that. We really needed Tori here today for that, for Detroit. Okay, so here we have David, not a king, but an artist. These words were penned not in a vacuum or in some big special moment in his life, but after a lifetime of crying out, my shepherd. And for us to experience this, we need to experience this over a lifetime. This declarative work of David in Psalm 23 is both allegorical and metaphorical. It's poetic. He's infatuated with the love of his shepherd. Specifically in verse 2 and 3, you see that he's infatuated with this healing, this provision. He's always done this. David has crafted a poem written 3,000 years ago that tells us about the heart of God 10,000 years from now. This is a declaration of God's goodness, recognizing God has authored his life all along the way. He's recognizing the hand of God in his life. I pray that we can do the same today. Charles Spurgeon, a pastor, preacher, he's called the Prince of Preachers. He says this, and I want to walk through this slowly so we can grasp this. 
He says, there is far more of the hand of God in our life than there is of our own hand, if our life is what it ought to be. I'll read that again. There is far more of the hand of God in our life than there is of our own hand, if our life is what it ought to be. God is authoring your story. He's authoring your life. But the reality is, and in fact, it often is much easier for us to trust him with our past, since we've already been there, than to trust him with our present and our future. So today, look at your story, look at your testimony, if you will, for those of you that know Jesus in here, beyond salvation, beyond just being saved. If you are in this room, God knew you would be here. The God of peace, the God of comfort, the God who has authored your story, he's asking you and inviting you to experience the restoration of your soul in his son, Jesus Christ. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Sheep will not eat. In fact, they really can't eat unless they receive a few things from their shepherd. They have to receive safety. They have to be in a place where they can physically eat. Sheep are very scared, timid creatures. And the shepherd, the good shepherd, provides all of those things. He provides freedom from predators. He provides freedom from pests. He provides a safe place for them to eat and leads them to good grass, green pastures. And so often sheep, they'll stay right where they are and they'll eat the grass all the way down to the dirt, not realizing that it's time to move on. A good shepherd leads his sheep continually. He lets them keep moving and he keeps pushing them for what's their good, even when they don't want it. Some of you are saying, though, nobody makes me lie down. You're going to make me what? You're going to tell me to lie down where I want? No, no, no. I get to say where I get to go. I'll just invite you into my life, God. Clearly, we forget who we're talking to. I mean, we just said he's the great I am. He's your creator. Do you think he has the authority to make you lie down? Do you think he knows when you're going to lie down? In fact, Our Savior, our Shepherd Savior, our Shepherd King allows us and even welcomes us into valleys and pastures we do not choose. There are oftentimes God causes us to rest and he gives us the opportunity to rest whether we like it or not. This last year has been a lot of resting that many of us did not choose. And did we trust him and do we trust him in those moments? We're occasionally made to lie down. I mean, like made to lie down. When he steps into our fast-paced world, he often must force us to lie down because he knows what we need even when we don't. And if that has occurred in your life, thank God. Thanks be to God that he has put you on pause when you thought you were supposed to run ahead. I mean, I think of my little girl. She's seven months old. She's the the cutest girl in the world. Um, And her name's Lucy, Lucy Margaret. And she is made to go to sleep. She does not want to go to sleep. We lay her adorable seven-month-old daughter down to sleep for her good, even when she doesn't want it. And some of you parents are in here like, I'm not putting them down to sleep for them. I'm putting them down to sleep for me. I get that too, okay? And maybe that's what God's doing sometime with me. But often it's because she doesn't know what's best for her. I can put her down crying and in 10 seconds her head will turn and she's asleep. 
because I'm her father that I know she needs sleep. God has made me lie down in green pastures even when I didn't want to. And a few of you can probably relate. I think of one in particular time that I hope nobody else can relate to in here. I was was serving as a missionary in Mozambique and I actually contracted cerebral malaria. Okay, and so it's not a good thing, yeah. Um, And in that moment, it was a little bit scary because with malaria, you're forced to be still or your brain will swell. And so in that moment, I'm lying down, my peripheral vision starts to close in. I'm like, this is not a good thing. And so they had to wrap my eyes and cover them so that I couldn't see. And so for 48 hours, I couldn't read anything. I couldn't talk to anybody. I couldn't look at anything because I had to be completely still so that my brain would not have any activity. So I hope you get the severity of that. If your brain swells, you'll either have a seizure, a stroke, or a coma, right? And so in that moment, I'm sitting there, and I was supposed to speak at a conference. Little side note, this is, guys, this is who you're supposed to marry, okay? I gave my notes to my wife. She went ahead and preached the whole conference, and it was great, okay? So way to go, Laura. But if I had not been still... I could have potentially not been here with you today. God made me be still. You know what happened is people came to know Jesus at that conference. He didn't need me, but he healed me as I was still. Some of you know my story and know that I had cancer when I was younger and God made me be still. I was literally in a wheelchair and crutches for over 13 months and I was still. And yet in the stillness, he heals and he restores And even COVID, I had COVID this past December. In fact, last time I was preaching to you guys, I was preaching from my living room because I couldn't be with the rest of the people in the guided gathering. I don't know if you have three C's of cerebral malaria, cancer, and COVID, but we have all had moments where God has made us be still. And in fact, I need to remember that Jesus has the authority to make me lie down in green pastures because he laid down his life for me. And he laid down his life for you. See, he gives us provision. He gives us a place to rest. And he went without rest so that we might have it. God can't give us peace and happiness apart from himself because there is no such thing. That's from C.S. Lewis. And I think this is true of the shepherd. What is universal about sheep is that they need a shepherd. The shepherd creates an environment that dispels all fear so that they can lie down and rest. We are a needy people. We need peace. We are discontent. We need contentment. We are broken. We need healing. Yet for everything we need, Jesus answers. We need air. Jesus is the breath of life. We need water. Jesus is the living water. We need food. Jesus is the bread of life. We need light. Jesus is the light of the world. He meets all our needs, physical, spiritual, emotional, relational. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he's providing everything you need or are you trying to work for it and show it to him? Because I've never seen a sheep really bring a shepherd anything. So why do we need peace? You know why we need peace. Look at this world. Look at the news for five minutes. Look at your own news feed. Look at your own heart. You know why we need peace. The sin, anger, pride, racism, pain, destruction, selfishness. We are a selfish people. We need to be redeemed and restored. We are a fearful people because of the brokenness we see around us. 
Dan Allender writes this in his book, The Cry of the Soul. He says, different people fear different things with different levels of intensity, but all of us fear what we cannot control. Fear is our response to uncertainty about our resources in the face of danger. When we are assaulted by a force that can overwhelm us and compel us to face that we are helpless and out of control. Fear is provoked when the threat of danger, physical and relational, exposes our inability to preserve what we most deeply cherish. We fear often because we are out of control and we cannot control our circumstances. But God, God is our ever-present source of strength and protection. He is available for us to reach out whenever we're anxious, fearful, stressed, and weary. Only he can calm our souls. What our mind and our body needs is the reassurance that we are not alone. We just sang that out. I am not alone. It is God's presence that begins to give us peace rather than the removal of the threat that we are fearful of. And it is the same with the sheep. If they can hear the shepherd's voice, they're not afraid of the bear that is coming because they know their shepherd will protect them. They believe, they depend, they rely on the shepherd, and so should we. Isaiah 26.3 says, He will keep us in perfect peace when our minds are focused on him and we trust that our God cares for us. God cares enough about you to shepherd you. Maybe you've heard that God loves you and you're still trying to figure that out. But God cares enough about you to shepherd you, to take time with you, to walk with you. Ezekiel 34, 11 through 16, you'll go through in your community groups. And I just want to remind you that, man, this is a great passage to go to because we see that God himself will be our shepherd. He says, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. He's with you and he's shepherding you. He leads me beside still waters. We're going to the second part of verse two here. In Hebrew, leads is actually similar to the word escort. So you have a supernatural escort. How's that sound, okay? And the grammar David uses literally means he escorts continually. Over and over and over again. He's protecting me. He's guiding me. He's leading me. He's escorting me away from danger and to his provision. This is a continual thing. And what's so beautiful about this in the Hebrew is that it's something that he does and he enjoys doing it. It's part of the character of the one doing it. So do you trust that God is leading you to still waters? In fact, many of you here today, if I had told you two years ago that you'd be in this room right now, sitting in a pew, listening to me preach this on Psalm 23, you would have either laughed in my face or you would have said, no way. I mean, how much change have you been through in the last year? The last two years, five years ago. How are your relationships different? Some of you are like, amen, thank God I'm not in the relationship I was in five years ago. Anybody? Amen? Okay. And so, amen, we got one back there. So thank God he doesn't leave us to ourselves. Thank God he doesn't leave us sitting there eating from the same clump of dirt over and over and over again. 
our shepherd moves us along. Sometimes he causes us to be still and to sit down. And other times he's going to hit you on the butt with that rod and it's good for you. Because our shepherd is moving, he's escorting, he's walking with you. This same image, the same picture is like in the garden when God is walking with Adam and Eve. He's leading us, he's present with us. It is his presence that heals. It's not the removal of the threat. And when we look at this, we see Psalm 23 speaks with imagery we can relate to in terms of peace and tranquility. Still waters and green pastures. We can see these with our imagination. We can kind of picture these. It's kind of this farm-esque thing in the country. Some of us have never been out there, okay? But you can picture being out in nature, and it's peaceful. And what often happens is that we begin to better understand how God meets us. That a God full of justice and wrath and power can come down and give us peace and walk with us. One of the things that psychologists dive into, and this lines up with Mother's Day. This was not what I was thinking initially, but praise God how the Holy Spirit does this. But moms are special, no doubt about it. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to give you some homework. You can go watch a video online called The Still Face Experiment. The Still Face Experiment. And it's really a video of psychologists doing an experiment showing the need for connection and the need to take away fear and anxiety and struggle from an infant. And what they asked the mom to do of this infant is to stand across from her as the infant is in a little high chair. And they asked the mom to play with the baby and do all those faces. Yeah, y'all can do it. Some of you are smiling at me. Okay, so we do those faces with our kids, right? And then they asked the mom to be totally frozen and not to say anything back. And what happens in that moment is that the baby starts getting scared and worried and throws her arms and starts screaming. And there's that posture that breaks down. And very quickly, the mom wants to help regulate the baby and care for her and bring her back to normal. And moms do that for us, don't they? brings her back to normal and pauses her, says, hey, I love you, it's okay. And pretty soon the baby's playing again and she's not crying. And some of you did not experience that. Some of you have lost that. Some of you have lost that connection. And so as Huli mentioned earlier, Mother's Day can be something that you're really grieving in a lot of ways. But God comes down and he does that for us. When we feel neglected, when we feel like there's brokenness in this world, when we feel like there is pain, my God will supply all my needs. Do I believe that? Relationally, emotionally. And so the shepherd comes down and he relates to us and he smiles with us and he draws us in and he heals us. Psychologists say that the heartbeat of the baby and the heartbeat of the mom start beating around the same beat once again and they regulate the baby to know what's good and that they're safe. The presence of the mom brings safety. So God's presence that is most powerful is the same. He does this intimately for us. He heals us by his presence. And we get to do this for other people as well. Romans 12, 15 challenges us to really be boots on the ground for other people. Mourn with those who mourn. Rejoice with those who rejoice. 
when we align with what he is wanting to do, we can help others experience peace. We can be Jesus for those people. In this, we get to really understand that it's through his presence and through quieting our hearts with him that we get comfort, we get care. So who is leading who? Often we relate to our shepherd and we try to tell him where we're going next. Anybody else done that before? You're struggling with the decision of what's next in life and you're saying, God, catch up to me? Yeah, that doesn't work. We see here that any sheep that goes beyond the shepherd, it's out of order. It's actually unnatural. It's unnatural for the sheep to go ahead of the shepherd because the place for the sheep is behind the shepherd, quietly, patiently, and humbly following him. It's both according to the order of things and the posture which the sheep is able to receive from the shepherd. At the cross, Jesus was led like a sheep, silent before his shears. He goes before us and tastes death so that you and I don't have to taste death. He goes before us into places and things that we will never have to experience because he is your shepherd. And that is how he sees it right. That's how he sees it fit, is that he would lay down his life for you and me, going before you so that you don't have to go ahead and be wounded. He's asking you to get behind him for protection, not because he doesn't want to take you where you're looking at, because he loves you. We need to be still so that we can remember the voice of our shepherd. Psalm 46.10 might be familiar to you, but it says this, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. In the stillness of God, you begin to see the restoration that God is working in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. When you're still before him, you get to experience what he's been doing. You get to hear his voice more clearly. In the busyness of this world, we are not still before our God to listen to him other than maybe on a Sunday afternoon. And there are, there are some times where you are waiting to hear from God so desperately. And you're wanting to know where the nourishment is, where are the still waters, where is the green grass. And he's been calling out to you over and over and over again. But you haven't stopped to listen to him. He is speaking to you. The shepherd leads the sheep, not with a leash that he forces them to come, but he leads them with his voice. Have you ever wondered in the parables of Jesus how the sheep, the one from the 99, would get lost? If you're like, what was up with that dude? Like, why did he get lost in the first place, right? He stopped listening to the shepherd's voice. They can hear his voice, but soon many sheep like us, we are prone to wander. We wander away from his voice. We wander away from the flock. A lot of you, even these last few weeks, it's been beautiful to see people saying, hey, just being around other believers and worshiping, my heart is drawn back to Jesus. Because I can see other people worshiping and I remember what I've been missing out on. As we're back with the flock, we're encouraged because, hey, maybe that sheep heard something that the shepherd said and I didn't hear it and I want to go listen. I want to be a part of this flock. I want to be where the shepherd is going. I mean, sheep are defenseless animals. They're prone to wonder. Sheep are stubborn. Can you relate? And yet we have a savior shepherd that disciplines us. He speaks to us by name. 
Occasionally, a, sh- a sheep will get lost, and it'll be that one out of the 99, like over and over again. And you don't have to say amen on this, but I know there's some of you in here, okay, where you continue to do that. Anybody else, just me? We continue to get lost. And what does the shepherd have to do? He actually goes up, and he has to hug the sheep really close. And in that moment, he actually breaks their leg. And he puts the sheep on his back, and he carries them. And they begin to limp and he makes a splint for their leg. And over time, they learn their need for the shepherd's voice. And they have a new dependence on the shepherd because they cannot go and eat on their own. And they have to be near him. And Jesus has done that for some of us. He's done that for me. And sometimes we need to pray that he would do that for us. Maybe some of us need to be broken so that we can be near our shepherd. He disciplines those he loves. The sheep know the voice of their shepherd. When he calls, they respond and follow him. It is so dangerous to stop listening to the voice of God. Amen? When we stray and we wander and we do not hear his voice anymore, that should be the moment we are crying out, my shepherd, where are you? Because in those moments, we have gone astray. We can remember That he's not merely the shepherd of this great flock of humanity, but that he calls each of us by name. I love that. Because in that, he still sees each one of us as we are made. Uniquely, diversely, independently his. In Matthew 5, 4, in the Beatitudes, Jesus is giving promises as he sets up the Sermon on the Mount. And in this very short verse, I see a really a promise here that I think many of us have yet to experience fully this side of heaven. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Now there's a promise in this of blessing, yes, but there's something that we're called to do. We're actually called to mourn. And I just want to stop in the middle of this series and say, this is going to be a heartfelt series. There's going to be things that tug at you. There might be tears. There was tears last week. All that is good. But you might be looking for the comfort of God without the willingness to mourn in God. And so many of us try to jump to God, be my comfort, take care of me, hold me, I need you. And he's saying, son, daughter, you can only go as high as you're willing to go low. I'm right here. And I'm waiting for you down here because this is the green pasture that you need. You're wanting to be here and run with me. We're going to get there. We're going to fly away to glory one day. But you've got to start down here because this is where I am. And I want you to be in my presence. I'm here grieving with you with everything that's happened this last year. I'm here mourning with you. Do you see me, son, daughter? Come back to me here and I'll take you there. What I love about this is that Jesus is promising something and he's teaching us how to do this in the Beatitudes. He's promising peace and healing. You cannot have peace without healing and you cannot have healing without peace. In times of war, there's not healing, right? In times of peace, you can begin to heal. And God is doing the same thing with many of us where the enemy is trying to tempt you into running and running and running right now. You need to slow down. And receive his peace and his healing. Because he promises that he will restore your soul. He restores my soul. Verse 3 right there. Psalm 23, 3. He restores my soul. 
He restores, he completes, he redeems. God is a restorer and a redeemer. He does not blow it up and start again. What does it mean to restore a soul? To be honest with you, and just to keep it really real, I don't think any one of us in this room has a good answer for that. I know I don't. And I confess that I try to come up with answers for that all the time. But this is the mystery of the gospel. This is a supernatural act of God that he would restore your soul to himself. And my fear is that so many of us have been trying to restore our souls to the glory days of our spiritual lives here on earth a few years back. You're saying, I can't wait to go back to something like that community group I had. I miss my old church in that community. I wish we were like the well before COVID happened. Anybody said that? We're trying to go back to glory days here on earth when we're missing the fact that the glory days are yet to come. He wants us to dwell with him in his presence forever. When we're trying to draw back to these moments that have been good, they have been little tastes and shadows of what is to come. Man, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says, but as it is written, what no eye has seen nor ear has heard nor the heart of man imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. You and I cannot fully understand what it means to be restored to him this side of heaven. This is a promise for what is to come. And the brokenness of this world should cause us to long for heaven that much more. That when we experience the things that we've experienced, when we're crying out, my shepherd, would you heal me? Would we remember that he has already healed us in glory in what is to come? Pastor and author Paul David Tripp writes this. We were simply made for glory. But not just the shadow glories of the created world. We were made for the one glory that is transcendent. The glory of God. When you grasp this. Your life begins to make a difference. When you understand where you're going, you'll know how to live where you are. The shepherd counts his sheep. He calls them by name. He does restore our souls. It's the restoration. There's a moment in there of really repentance is part of what that word means. It's a turning back to what is right It's not that he's restoring us to when we got saved here on earth. He's restoring us to how he made us to be in the first place in the garden. It's all the shepherd's work doing this. The wanderer is restored to fellowship despite itself. The sheep is brought back to the shepherd whether the sheep likes it or not. In fact, there's something that happens to sheep, and if, if you know this, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to act it out, but sheep fall on their back all the time. And their legs stick straight up in the air, and they look like roadkill, okay? And in that moment, all they can do is bleat out and make terrible sounds that I'm not going to do with a microphone on, okay? And they can't do anything except cry for help. And yet, that's exactly what the shepherd wants them to do. Because he can find them, He can care for them. There's no sheep that will come up to them and be able to knock them over and get them back on their feet. It's only the shepherd. And he's asking you to cry out to him. He's asking you to come back to him. And for some of you in here, man, 
This has been a hard year. You've been wounded in ways you could not have imagined. You've been waiting for things that feel yet to be fulfilled. And you're waiting on your good shepherd. And he's saying, come back to me. Cry out to me. I came to seek and save that which was lost and that is you. I love you. Maybe the stains of time have kind of blocked out your memory of what your God is capable of. They've left you empty and weary and trying to repair your own soul. You're like a sheep on its back just needing to be flipped over. You're helpless. And that is good. It's okay. It's not too late. It's not too late to come back to the one who made you. He gave up his spirit on the cross so that we would be restored. Hebrews 13, 20 through 21 says this. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you will need to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He is our peace. He is our healer. And at the cross, Jesus laid down his life for us so that we might have life. He didn't just step into still waters like he leads us to, but he actually drank the wrath of God, the cup that was set before him so that you and I would not experience that wrath. Right now, we're gonna actually go into communion. Often we, we pray and then we jump into this, but I want to give you a moment to be still and hear from the Lord. And so as you get that communion right there, I would encourage you to begin with the bread. Jesus is the bread of life. Broken for you and me. He laid down his life so that we would have life. this moment, I want you to thank him, bless him, remember what he has done for you. Jesus' blood was spilled on your behalf. And so take that, that juice that you have there and remember that his blood washes you clean. That he was the shepherd who became a lamb who takes away the sins of the world. And yet he calls you and me by name. That is the kind of God we serve. We're going to give you a moment to be still, to ask God to heal you, to cry out to him. I would encourage you over these next two songs, whatever posture God brings to your mind and to your heart, feel free to kneel, feel free to stand, whatever God's calling you to do. Would you come back to him? 
Father, we come to you asking for you to bring the restoration, asking for you to bring healing. We thank you that you are our peace that we can rest in. We thank you that you are our healer. Would you help us to be still and to listen to our shepherd's voice? Would you bring the redemption of souls in this room? Would you restore hearts? Would you help us have an eternal perspective that this is not it, but the best is yet to come because we have a shepherd savior who has laid down his life for us. We love you, Jesus.